returning to Brainchild, we cover stories to unlock potential in life and in our careers. Last week, I brought in two of my best friends, Jane and Andrew, to talk about finding the love of your life. And if you get a chance, I highly recommend that you take a listen. And in this week, the three of us, we're going to continue our discussion, and it's going to be about languages. Knowing a language can instill in you with not only a mindset that is unique to the culture, but also a style of humor that can only be expressed in that particular language and cannot be translated in any other languages. Languages are also essential in helping you form powerful connections and relationships with other people. So we start off with the discussion of being a polyglot, or in my case, uh, bilingual. And then we started pivoting our way to talk about our upbringings and what kind of parents we wanted to become. This is another interesting topic, so stay tuned. I was thinking to myself, having a similar cultural mindset obviously is important when you are building connections friendships, relationships, and I thought, because you spoke Korean, well, you speak so many languages, let's go over all of them, you speak English, and then you speak, your main language is a Cantonese. Yeah, that, I grew up speaking that at home, Mm -hmm. and And then then I learned Mandarin at school, Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of picked up Korean from watching a lot of dramas, a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot, um, do you think that helped you understand how to interact with Andrew? I know he also, like, Andrew, you also grew up in the States. You have a very global mindset, but a big part of you is still Korean, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you think having that extra bridge of the Korean language kind of helped a greater understanding of each other? That's definitely a huge factor. I have no idea, honestly, how any foreigners who can't speak any Korean Mm -hmm. like communicate or kind of get in a relationship with a complete Korean so I'm not including um, Koreans who were born and raised in America or anywhere else because they're more American in my head than Korean but like for someone who was born in Korea or constantly speaks to their parents and their family and other people in Korean I Mm -hmm. feel like not knowing the language is it's it's really difficult i think um to even connect because there's so many expressions in asian languages that just can't be expressed in english and you know there's so many nuances in different ways of saying things that you would be completely lost i think and the relationship would have so many miscommunications without understanding that language um So even though we mainly use English with each other, it's useful being able to still understand if someone breaks out in some Korean or, you know, like, or wants to express something in Korean and understanding that. um, Also, watching dramas, I mean, not just language, but the culture is something that is very different from any other culture that, you know, I've seen. So, you know, not being too shocked by that is Mm -hmm. definitely another bonus for yeah 
And it also comes, I have to admit, with some privileges or your personal effort to pick up another language. But I personally just only speak two languages, English and Korean. And already I have a wide spectrum of jokes and humor that I can enjoy coming from these two different cultures. So I can't imagine the wealth of entertainment you must receive from all the different languages. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it is actually quite amusing all the time. Um, <laughs> my head gets kind of mixed and you know, scrambled, <laughs> honestly, because mm-hmm. um, for the past four and a half years, I've been using English the most. Um, I've barely heard any Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, and then Korean is actually probably the second most frequent language mm. I've heard in the f- past four and a half years. Um, but, you know, also seeing, you know, Andrew being interested sometimes in, you know, Cantonese or Mandarin um, and his younger brother as well. It's quite fun to share certain mm parts of you know the other languages I speak and the culture with them um but yeah for sure it's 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 crazy up there (laughs) in in my brain wow so assuming that you guys want children right sometime in the future what do you think would be the first language that you want to teach your child and and then which languages do you want them to learn where do you want them to grow up where do you want them to go to college? That's a lot of questions. <laughs> I was actually planning to just throw them into every language that I currently speak right mm-hmm. now. Like babies' brains are sponges. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think there should be an order or a particular, you know, one that you would need to speak more or less of. If mm-hmm. if possible, if humanly possible, I would speak all four at the same time. <laughs> um, but probably i mean since he's korean you know um and i'm chinese at least english chinese korean and chinese Mm -hmm. um i'm still struggling between cantonese or mandarin um i think they're both important although there is a chance that if we send uh, him or her to a cantonese school that yeah, so might mandate Mandarin in, anyway. in Hong Kong, it would be much easier to achieve all four, mm-hmm. is what I, I can say. Um, in Korea, I think the Chinese might be difficult to enforce. Um, but let's say we were in Hong Kong, I would um, imagine speaking at home in English, Cantonese, and Korean, and having my child just learn Mandarin in school. In school. Um, and then hopefully they just absorb everything. That would be great yeah i think for me um from personal experience i would say yeah like jane said it's much easier to try to get them to be exposed to all of the language we want them to learn um at the same time um so in my case it was at the beginning just going to an international school learning english in korea while speaking korean at home with my parents uh but I will say that uh, that does have its limitations because mm-hmm. you're not interacting with your parents for extended periods of time, especially if you're going to school. Um, so in my case, the I think the main reason why my Korean got so developed is because my parents took me out of international school and put me into a Korean public school to learn Korean by going to a Korean school. Oh. Um, I, I think that was pretty uh, effective in making sure that 
um, even with an English base, creating a level of Korean that uh, I've been able to maintain into my adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, that like just goes beyond um, saying hi to people or like, you know, buying stuff in the stores. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I agree with Jane in terms of like uh, languages, because both of us are so multicultural, uh, I would want our child to be able to speak all the language that we've been exposed to. And I think uh, because Hong Kong is such an international place, that might actually be the best place to do it. Um, just because, you know, even at school, you would at least be exposed to English and um, some form of Chinese, whether it be Cantonese or Mandarin. Mm -hmm. For me, I was born in the States, but I also spent a long time in Korea. And so I learned these two languages as how you would pick up your mother tongue. And so I actually was never given the opportunity to learn a language as a study. And so it's really cool to me how fluent Koreans or other people are because they went to school and took up English or they took up Chinese. And I've learned Spanish for several years in high school and middle school, but that never stuck with me because I never learned how to pick up a language in a studious way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think... Starting young as a child and just like picking up naturally is a great way. And I also thought if I have my children, I would want them to speak three languages. And then plus, if they could also pick up Spanish, they can communicate to just about the majority of the world, at least. Yeah, so. I, I agree. Yeah. Like, honestly, it, I just want them to be able to speak at least the number of languages I speak. <laughs> That's kind of great. <laughs> Um, and then I'm expecting probably at least one more themselves as their third language because they're going to be their mother tongue is going to be three languages. Already, then their yeah. second language is going to be something like Mandarin. And then their third language will be some other Western language is what I'm envisioning. But um, obviously, it will be tough because we're more comfortable speaking certain languages. So having to keep up all three at, at the same time is mm -hmm. going to be, yeah, tough. It's like being a walking translator. Hello, wait, <laughs> and then repeating it all. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, the other reason we want to promote this is because um, I, I think many would agree that we're moving into a uh, society or a global society where knowing multiple languages is kind of important because we're interacting with people from a lot of different countries. And yeah, like it's true that English is spoken in a lot of countries and um, knowing English is enough in a lot of contexts, but at the same time, because of the number of people that we're being exposed to every day, I think having multiple languages is very important. And the other reason why we want to expose our children uh, when we do have them uh, to all of this very early is because in retrospect, like languages like English and Korean and Chinese are very difficult to learn. Mm. Like Chinese has so many words. English <laughs> grammar is very irregular. Mm. Like Korean has, you know, uh, honorifics where, where it changes oh, the way the words yeah. are spoken or mm. which particular vocab words you have to like use. And like all this stuff, like to like, I, I, I realize I take it for granted that I can just immediately know which one is the correct one to say. Mm -hmm. But like trying to learn that in like after the fact seems like such a challenge that I, I wouldn't want to impose on my children. I think they'd be much happier and like learn it much uh, more naturally if, you know, they just grew up with it. So, you know, that would be up to me and Jane to like create an environment where they can do that mm -hmm. so that hopefully um, 
they'll end up like I mean you, you know like we have a friend uh, Kenji mm -hmm. who can speak French Japanese Spanish and English wow so like, uh, it clearly it can it's be possible. done yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, if I recall correctly he hasn't really officially studied any of those languages it's just mm -hmm. uh, from you know naturally growing up in a multicultural family no. So hopefully we can uh, achieve the same in the future. And the languages that you mentioned, because they're from such different parts of the world, it must be, you know how languages have their own like family branch? So like if you know Spanish, it's easier for you to pick up Portuguese and so on, like Japanese and Korean. So wow, because he knows like the different yeah, roots. Yeah, yeah roots. It is so efficient. I told this to my mom and she jokingly said, I already feel bad for your son and daughter. Like you're not even married yet and you're thinking about your kid's education and like knowing you, you're going to have such high expectations. Honestly, I <laughs> only... I don't know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm only no, most concerned with languages more. I, I don't really mind what level what score they achieve like in these languages whatever that means mm -hmm. um i just think it's it's a very important part in getting to know people mm -hmm. like language is one of the most important things to have to get to know someone and you know really develop certain relationships with people that's why yeah um I kind of emphasize so much. It's not really for an educational purpose, you know, mm -hmm. being a tiger mom. It's not that. It's <laughs> I, I just hope they have fun being able to understand so many different languages too growing up, you know, mm -hmm. never being left out. Can't can't speak <laughs> badly about him or her in the future <laughs> because presence. they're gonna know everything, you know. You can't really say anything. Right. Did you watch um that show Queen's Gambit on Netflix? I watched the entire thing. I binged it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was just reminded instantly of that uh, last... It was like one of the last episodes where... Not Betty, not Betsy. Beth. Yes. So Beth goes to travel to Russia and she gets in an elevator and there's like a group of men kind of making fun of her in Russian. And then she could understand everything because she kind of expected that she would need Russian if she was going to play the world's best players. Mm -hmm. And then I think she actually retorts in Russian, not directly in the elevator, but in some other scene. And her biggest nemesis uh, and opponent, that guy that she plays in the mm -hmm. last episode, yeah, yeah, he kind of smiles at her and that with respect. Mm hmm because he recognizes the hard work and so yeah that was like one of the most memorable scenes i kind of want to ask you if you guys are ab able to share with us what was growing up with your parents like what were their parenting styles and is there anything that you want to take away from that and pass it on to your children you want to uh, go first well my <laughs> mom was like a very typical tiger mom mm -hmm. uh it tried to get me to do like a lot of different things uh, I remember, like, when I was a kid, she would, uh, she made me try, like, piano and violin and, like, a bunch of other instruments. I ended up playing the viola. Um, sports as well. Like, she made me try everything from soccer to squash to uh, basketball. Um, and 
it was kind of weird. I, I don't know if it's because she started all that in such a like early age that like it didn't feel like there was anything wrong. Like it seemed like very normal to me. And like, you know, going to um, cram schools or hagwons as we call them in Korea felt like a very normal thing to do because like I, I would like go to school, come home and then go to hagwon and I would see my friends again. So like it just felt like an extension of school, I would say, or like another opportunity to spend time with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that there were definitely times when I got stressed out because I felt like, you know, for example, like, I, why is this such a big deal that I didn't do so well on a certain test? You know, my parents would get upset or my mom specifically. My dad was more <laughs> of a hands-off guy. Uh, but um, I think in the long run, it it really benefited me. Like the, mm -hmm. the way I study um, and the way I focus on things and tr like try to understand things and learn um, really uh, is rooted in the way that my mom raised me. Um, and like because of that, I've been able to experience a lot of academic success at Cornell, for example. Um, but that's not to say that that is the way to raise children. Mm -hmm. um, what I realized from uh, seeing my mom raise both myself and my younger brother is that there needs to be a certain adaptability that comes from being able to understand your own child. Because there are definitely children out there who uh, do a lot better if you are strict with them, if you are more direct with them and try to guide them every step of the way. And there are children out there who thrive much better when you leave them alone and let them figure it out by themselves. I think, um, and, and the reason I can see that is because my brother and I were raised uh, differently. My mom was a lot more hands-off with my younger brother um and he's still doing really well uh so mm -hmm. I, I think the key really is to just kind of like see uh what type of kid your child is and mm -hmm. uh put in an effort to try to like match them and see like what you can do to make sure that you make the most of how your child is yeah um totally different experience on my <laughs> end um, exact opposite if we ha we were at polar ends i think um my mom i don't like okay sh she's asian so naturally there's expectation that you can't fail you know like you as in you can't get a f you can't you know <laughs> just flunk school yes of course there's that expectation and I'm glad there was that expectation because I don't know what I would have turned out to be like if there was no expectation at all. Um, but it was definitely much more hands-off than what I've heard from Andrew. Um, and there's no micromanaging, you know? Um, it's kind of, yes, we have these expectations and, you know, just from a life, everyday life kind of, teaching I guess she already I, I knew her expectations growing up um, and I self-imposed expectations as well on myself mm -hmm. naturally because I knew certain things you know I have three older brothers so knowing you know how they've kind of lived their lives and seeing what my parents are like towards them kind of I was I, I guess a very observant child so I felt that my parents weren't very hands-on with me and I kind of absorbed everything that's why they might have been more hands-off um just from observing um but yeah like my mom 
of course is not going to be happy if I bring back like a 60 or like a 70, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't make a big deal out of it. And she doesn't say, you know, your life is over if you can't get a hundred on the next one. You know, it's, it's, it's just an encouragement to always, you know, just do your best and, you know, actually make sure you study, haha, <laughs> which I didn't really do. Um, so obviously nothing comes from not putting in the work. But um, she, you know, she really allowed me to explore my interests. And that was mainly basketball since I was eight years old. Like I started because my oldest brother played as well at school. So I just naturally picked that sport up first. Um, even though I did swimming as well as tennis, as well as table tennis, I tried a lot of other things. But um, the one that really stuck with me throughout even high school and first year of college was basketball. Mm. And I'm very grateful that, you know, my mom, even though forcing me to do something like piano and mm -hmm. yes, I kind of <laughs> did it until she was satisfied, you know, she still allowed me to have my own freedom of, you know, playing the sport. And because of that sport, honestly, yes, my um, studying took a toll. You know, I I was not a perfect all A student, maybe not even an all B student, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of that, I started worrying myself actually when I was doing IB, of course. Mm -hmm. And so I really tried really hard during those last two years to juggle basketball and also get <laughs> decent scores just so I could go to obviously college as well to um learn more i guess and really mm -hmm. get into a one one that's worth going to um and you know gratefully actually basketball probably saved me at that mm -hmm. point because i um applied to a bunch of liberal arts colleges that were division 3 level and i actually met with like all the coaches and everything for basketball um and yeah, I was lucky enough to end up at Pitzer College in Claremont, which I honestly think was the best place because, you know, it has the consortium, the Claremont consortium with mm -hmm. Claremont McKenna, as well as Pomona College, Scripps, Harvey Mudd. And I think that was really the best deal. Um, and I think most people watching me grow up would be like how did she even end up there <laughs> and then the next question would be like how on earth did she end up at Cordell but um oh my god I would say like, I would okay I personally would question how I ended up in college <laughs> um but then you know how I was able to transfer from there to Cornell was mainly because I had a huge change in mindset mm -hmm. after high school mm -hmm. so Yes, I was still playing basketball for the first year, but surprisingly, it it took it. I kind of made me more studious, which is weird. I think it's because I didn't realize how intense college basketball would be, especially at Division three level. But mm -hmm. it was a lot more intense and rigorous than what I, I had in mind, and maybe because of that, you know, me as a person and kind of my lifestyle completely changed. It was very mm -hmm scheduled it was very um yeah i i just st stuck to a very 
strict schedule not self-management exactly very willingly though Mm. um which Mm -hmm. was weird (laughs) i don't know how that happened either Mm -hmm. um but yeah waking up early studying you know going to class then studying a bit and then going straight to practice and then eating studying kind of this whole whole thing that just Mm -hmm. repeated um and i guess the professors were really great at college Mm so i was actually willing to study. I was willing to put in the effort I wanted to learn the things that I, um, the classes I I was taking. Um, So yeah, I think kind of my parents being hands-off really was beneficial in the sense that I get to explore and get to, you know, find things out for myself and really develop as a person myself you know Mm -hmm. not really with the influence of other people always telling me okay this is how you should think Mm -hmm. um and then therefore that's how I think so I'm I'm very grateful that you know they weren't super hands-on with me um yeah that's really interesting to hear about your parents but also how they kind of parented differently amongst your siblings because I'm an only child and I've only seen my parents be parents to me. And it was a lot of fun because, you know, as an only child, it's a weird mentality of coming into the world thinking that you're on your own, but also like your best friends with your parents. So we both have that, we have that independence, but also a lot of reliance on the parents. And my parents were also very... I wouldn't say they were hands off because my mom was very strict about some things like your health. I could not imagine eating a bag of chips before dinner. That was just like a big no-no. And she was strict about no TV during dinner. But she was not strict about other things like academics. Like I was never told to study. I was never told that I had to be or do something. And I told them like, why aren't you guys sending me to like academies? Why aren't you telling me to become a doctor? I feel like I need to be pushed a little more, but like I'm not getting any of that from you. So I have to be like really hard on myself. (laughs) But you know, that was just a cute complaint. Um, I'm super happy for all of their open hearted uh, support that they've given me. But you would think that because I've enjoyed that kind of parenting style as a child, I would also do that to my children. But like, I feel like I would be very strict with them because I've gone through life. So I want to give them the best version of it. You raised an important point earlier. Okay, when I said my hands are completely hands off, it Mm -hmm. didn't mean that they didn't care about certain things like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like, there are definitely a lot of Asian things that I grew up hearing and I'm sure Western children would be very confused about, um, you know, such as stop drinking cold water all the time, drink room temperature or mm. hot. Um, <laughs> back your body, you better wear your clothes. The wind is going to give you a cold, um, mm-hmm. you know, blow your hair before you sleep, like things like that. So obviously there are things that just kind of come down. Mm-hmm. by generation I think um but yeah I, I don't know maybe I trust that my children have good brains because we're gonna we have good yeah. brains right um <laughs> so I, I trust that they have great minds of their own and not to say that I'm not gonna lead them and just kind of 
throw them into the sea and let them swim on their own. But, you know, I think I want to train my train my children. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I want to raise my children in a way that they're comfortable asking me for help whenever mm. and knowing that they can and will mm. always be here as a safety net, mm-hmm. but not, you know, having them expect that everything they do in their life is going to come from my instruction Mm. um if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. however that's going to be created Uh, is something for the future um well i mean we'll have to see like because we might end up with a child that you know if we're lucky decides to do everything by him or herself Mm -hmm. uh but we might also end up with a child who prefers guidance from us which Mm -hmm. we would happily give Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's all about adaptability at that point. Yeah. Um, after you see kind of like, you know, the direction that your child is seemingly going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I certainly want my child to be comfortable talking to me about anything, mm-hmm. though. Um, and so however I can achieve that, I definitely will strive towards doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my final question to you <laughs> for the night is something that's been on my mind we may have talked about this, but kind of going through this conversation that we had, it seemed like there were many changes, both internal, external. Um, if we learned anything from last year, it was that we cannot foresee the future and we have to be flexible and willing to adapt. So with that in mind, do you believe or do you think that everything in life happens for a reason? Or do you think that you have a lot of control of where you go? I think I actually think it's neither. Um, I I don't necessarily think everything happens for a reason, but at the same time, there are elements in life that you just you know can't control. Mm. Uh, I think what's more important is that you know that something uncontrollable is going to happen, um, and when it does, you have the strength and resilience to work through it. Um, I can say for a fact that like there have been. A lot of times when I was ready to give up, um, like I've, I remember when I was coming out of high school, um, like my parents um, had, because I went to a boarding school in the U.S., a, a famous prep school, they had high expectations for me to get into good colleges, but I got rejected by every single one of them um, and ended up going to this uh, esoteric college in the middle of the desert, which they ended up liking for the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like uh, it's not like you can try as much as you want to try control every aspect of your life and you can put in all the effort you want. Uh, but there are going to be rare occasions where things just don't go your way. And um, just having the realization that that's going to happen and accepting that it's inevitable, I think, gives at least me a sense of uh, calm that even if something bad does happen or even if something challenging does happen, um, I won't die from it. I, I have the capacity to work through it. Um, so I think it's really, uh, it comes down to like having the motivation to try to uh, do as many things as you can um, to control certain aspects of your life, but also being open to the fact that um, not everything you do is going to have the results that you want, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. I personally, I, I don't know whether I'm 
um, qualified, honestly, to answer this question, just because I know I'm very lucky growing up in the family that I did grow up in. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that I'm sure I take for granted um, that a lot of other people cannot. So, you know, not having been in the most dire, dire, worst situation yet, for sure, far from it, you know, I can't really say, do things happen, you know, for a reason versus I can do something to prevent it. Mm -hmm. um, but like Andrew said, there are definitely, there's definitely a mix, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think just because you think, oh, well, you know, something random could happen, something unexpected or something horrible could happen anytime doesn't mean you should give up on your life and just not do anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like Andrew said, you should still always motivate yourself and work towards something in your life. It doesn't matter what it is, but you should have some sort of motivation and goal and work towards it while at the same time knowing that it's going to be a difficult rough rocky road like it's not going to be smooth you're going to come across a lot of ob obstacles mm -hmm. and when you do like you know how to deal with it whether it's asking for help or you know solving it yourself um these are all things that you know you should have the skills you should have at least yeah mm -hmm. well thanks for sharing that <laughs> I don't think I'm qualified to answer this either, but you know, everybody has difficulties. And with that, my mom always tells me as cheesy as it sounds, she says that, you know, when the universe shuts a door in front of your face, it has another one open waiting for you to find. So that's what I always believe in. And it gives me the motivation and the hope to always look on the bright side and move forward and <laughs> yeah i agree well that was a great conversation i think i'm gonna have to like split it up into two episodes because that was <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> part one and part, part two. two yeah i already so have honored. a name for the first part Ooh. you'll see later okay <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me today um and best of luck to you andrew on your first job at kpmg Thank you. And Jane, to you at, at Yonsei University. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Of course. And I'll see you this Saturday. Yes. yes. <laughs> In person. Bye. 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 Bye.